everyone, and welcome to another new edition of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mark. Mark, good morning. How are you doing today? Good morning, sir. Alan of the Roundtable. Good morning. It is a it is a brisk. I used that word last. We did last use time. that word, but it still fits today. It's very brisk and crisp, and uh, yeah, uh, all the uh, isks. Yeah, it's uh, it reminds me of an iced tea drink. <laughs> There's a place around here that uh, they serve that, that their gumbo stuff. And it's pretty good. And then you go in there and then they got uh, right there on the drink machine. They've got um, iced tea, right? Yeah. On the yeah. dispenser. Right? Yeah. You got ice cube on the ice cubes. Mm-hmm. Then the now tea. what it is, oh, you yeah. go to the iced tea machine yeah, and yeah. there's basically sweet and unsweet. Uh huh. There's a picture of iced tea, the actor from, from Law and Order. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's going so well this morning. I'm going to edit some of this. Um, there's a picture of him. Yeah, from, Law and Order. Ice tea. Law and Order. Yeah, because he's, he's smiling on the 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 sweet iced tea. Oh. And then on the unsweet iced tea, he's frowning. Yeah. It's funny. You, it's guess it's a visual joke now that I say it out loud. Huh. I never huh. made the connection. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> I like the way that you brought it to life. <laughs> I really <laughs> I captured the moment, didn't I? That's awesome. Oh, thank God. Yep, yep. Oh, boy. Hey, you know what? Mm. Um, good morning, Mark. Good morning, Ellen of the Roundtable. Let's talk about this episode. Should we ever? We really, really should, apparently. Yeah, yeah the, today we're covering Season 5, Episode 10, Two Parties. Two parties. Yeah, I wonder what that one's about. Two parties. Oh, well, that's simple. I don't. I that's haven't. It's a terrible ahead. title. I see NBC every single time. Yeah, every, every time. single time NBC does that. That's I mean, why thus the reason for our AKs. For our AKs that's yeah. right. We'll see how we did today. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see how we did today. <laughs> <laughs> Foreshadowing. It's not going to get any worse, <laughs> can it? Really? Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Dot. 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 Yeah. So this episode first aired on January seventeenth of twenty thirteen. Yep. I think we mentioned last week that they basically took a, almost a six week break between Ron and Diane and two parties. Right. And uh, yeah, so we're now in twenty thirteen. This is the first episode of twenty thirteen. So right. We'll have to remember that with our first spoilers on the first there. Yep. And uh, this episode was directed by our buddy Dean Holland. Oh, we like him. Dean, who we've spoken about many times, was the director of this episode, which was the sixteenth of twenty seven that he ultimately directed. Dean's also the producer on a number of Parks and Rec related shorts and behind the scenes productions, as well as producing 124 total episodes. Wow. So, yeah, his fingerprints are all over this puppy. Yeah. Uh, this episode was written by Dave King. Uh, Dave, this is the third of seven, ultimately penned by Dave. And Dave's also a producer and co-producer in about 30 episodes, 34 episodes. And we'll see actually Dave on screen, ironically, in the character uh, Kurt Snurpus. Have you noticed the Snurpuses, Snurpuses? There's been multiple, and there's another one in today's episode. Am I being punked? Is no. that is that a real? I, well, I am unfamiliar with that name. Our our fun with names trope is there for a reason, right? And this is I think the character in today's show is the at least the second Snurpus we've had. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a very small part, but at the same time, like, and I think the joke doesn't really. They don't even care if it lands with us. It's funny to them, so they do it. You know, Alan, the, the old adage, if Kinda you like have if, if you have one snurpus, yeah, you have an infestation. There's a thousand. <laughs> there are more snurpuses hitting somewhere else. Oh, you just gotta move. Oh my god. Yeah, they'll climb you. Oh, that's funny. Well, anyway, speaking of Dave, you can find his uh, name on work like, I don't know, The Simpsons, uh, The Good Place, of course, uh, Workaholics, and another favorite of ours, Mark, The League. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah for I sure. I love The League. Yeah, me too. Anyway, so that's uh, that's about it for this episode. Hey, why don't we get into that their, uh, syno- them, their synopsises? All right. Do that thing. Synopsises incoming. Well, 
I tried to see how many stories I could break this down into, uh, but I could only comfortably do two. Hey, there's that sound. It's a love. good way to start today. All right. So this is your your classic, uh, you know, girls versus guys. Well, not really, but I mean, that's well, yeah, in a way. Breakdown. All right. So the A story I have as entitled just the artifacts, ma'am. Nice. That's pretty good. That's not bad. Yeah. I phoned mine in today, so we'll see. <laughs> OK, fair enough. All right. Anne is preparing for Leslie's bachelorette party with what might be considered typical choices. Dancing, jello shots, strippers, anything that can be penis shaped will be penis shaped. <laughs> you know, the usual. Yep. Unfortunately, despite Anne's diligent efforts, Leslie is not able to enjoy things when it is revealed that Councilman Jam, in conjunction with Pawnee Restaurant Association spokeswoman Catherine Pinewood, is moving forward with his plans to turn Lot 48 into a new Paunchburger restaurant. Desperate to counter this unexpected move by Jam, Leslie contrives a plan to litter the pit with what she hopes will pass as uh, sacred Wamapoke artifacts, thus halting construction on the lot. Unfortunately, she quickly realizes she's she's made a horrible mistake. Horrible. And she confesses her mess to the girls and recruits them to try and help fix it. Uh-oh. What will happen? Does Leslie come clean to Ken Hotate? Will Councilman Jam and Catherine Pinewood get their paunchburger site after all? What is the Gettysburg undressed? <laughs> Stay tuned to find out. Dot, dot, dot. Very nice job. Uh, my, my A story, uh, you know, subtitle there is uh, Hats and Politicians, the Penis Principle. That's not bad. It's all right. It's not bad. I stole heavily from that one here in a minute <laughs> for the B story. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. So my B story, I kind of phoned this in. Oh, okay, good. We'll I, go with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My B story I have is entitled Bachelor Party Madness. Yeah, I mean, it's it's absolutely true. It's, it's still better than two parties. NBC wanted to hire me just because of that. Oh, well, clearly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. As a parallel of sorts to Leslie's uh, bachelorette party, see the A story above, Chris is preparing for Ben's bachelor party, which at Ben's request is going to be very low key, essentially beer and board games. The guys gather at Tref Cab, the residence formerly known as Burley's, and indulge Ben in a game of Settlers of Catan. And when they're done, Tom convinces the guys to go visit Eagleton's hot new molecular mixology bar essence. But while they're there, the guys chat and they realize that none of them get to experience, got to experience their own bachelor party. In a moment of inspiration, Chris declares that tonight everybody gets their own bachelor party experience, custom tailored to them and whatever they want to do. Brilliant. Well, this seems great on paper, but some of the requests get a little complex. And not only that, but poor Chris doesn't have a chance to have his moment in the spotlight mm. as he's never been married. How will this turn out? Can Chris pull off everyone's bachelor party requests? What do the guys do to show their appreciation to Chris? Is there actually a wrong way to consume alcohol? <laughs> Stick around, podcast viewers. All will be revealed, dot, dot, dot. Very nice job. Mark, uh, my, my subtitle for this one, uh, you know, I had the penis principle there for the A story. Yeah. Right? So this one's called Boys and Girls, the Party Principle. All right. Yeah. So it's thematically good. Just kind of <laughs> meh. All right. How you spell that? Yeah. So. Uh, M-E-H. Oh, yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I was a I was a national spelling champ, so Clearly. I know how to take those shortcuts. Yeah. yeah. And like a junior tennis thing, too. Yeah. I was all sorts of things that don't matter at all. <laughs> I'm good at those. They don't help with adulting. Oh, my God. No. The spelling might. K. 
occasionally. You think so? Yeah. I yes, haven't found right. it to be no, true. No, Calculus didn't help much later either. Oh, God, no. No. Yeah. Hey, Mark, uh, why don't we uh, do our AKAs and then we'll uh, get into the breakdown. That's true. Well, you know, Alan, we should remind our, our loyal podcast viewers that we have decided to uh, to not uh, gild the lily when yeah. we get to the yeah. AKA. So yeah. we have selected only one, the top of the top, the cream of the crop. Um, we'll so, see about that. The, well, yeah, you, they'll be the judge. But my AKA yeah. is from Leslie. Mm. And, uh, you know, she's kind of uh, upset about this 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 uh, unholy alliance between jam and Pinewood with the whole Ponch Burger site. Oh, and yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. And they're trying and trying really hard to make Leslie's uh, bachelorette party really good yeah. and, and brings in a, a presidential themed stripper. And Leslie, but she's just not in the mood. And she said, I'm just not in the mood for historical nudity. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that I ever would hear that phrase anywhere else. You don't else. hear that one very often. But anyway, uh, how about you, man? And it's so Leslie. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Mine is actually also from the bachelorette party, also related to Abraham Lincoln. Oh. Uh, but mine is April. <laughs> At one point, uh, you know, the the, the 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 person playing Abe Lincoln, who she apparently knows named Glenn. Glenn is Glenn. Sticking around. Yeah. And he... he His commentary, not welcome. And April just goes, shut up, Glenn. <laughs> Yeah. So my AKA is shut up, Glenn. Well, if Jerry is not there, someone needs to fill the Jerry gap. Oh my God. You I do that is just hitting me. It's hitting me like a ton of bricks. There you go. Wow. That's thank what you. I'm here for. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, let's see what else you picked up that I didn't. I'm gonna guess a lot. <laughs> we'll see. We'll dot, see. Dot, dot. All right. Well, hey, why don't we get into the episode breakdown then? All right. Incoming. Well, we start out with our cold open. It's uh, 64 seconds. I'd say that's about mid-length. Uh, I'd say it's plot relevant. And um, we start out in City Hall, and we're in a, uh, a conference room of some sort. I think maybe this is the Parks and Rec conference room. Yeah. Um, and uh, we see Leslie and in April meeting with Wamapoke leader. Ken Hotate. We love Ken Hotate. We love Ken. Um, yeah. And it looks like the room is, is to my eye at least, Alan, decorated with various Wamapoke Indian symbols, pictures, artifacts, yes. that sort of thing. Yeah. And on the table, we see Pawnee Commons, which we remember was designed by Eagleton architect Reston St. James. That's so right. This is that same yeah. park. Yeah. And they're kind of Beautiful. talking with Ken Hotate about it. Um, hey, Harvey, do us the honor, sir. Press the button. Thank you. Mr. Hotate, hi. Thank you for coming. Would you like some water? Water? Like fire water? <laughs> That's racist, and I do not appreciate it. Uh-oh. No, 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 no. I, I, I didn't mean it like that. It just meant, you know. I'm just messing with you. Uh, oh, uh, my God. <laughs> He's funny. This guy's funny. He does that sometimes. But, but seriously, I'll have a whiskey. <laughs> Ken Hotate is the leader of the Wamapoke people, and we are trying to get them involved in our Pawnee Commons project. Ken and I get along great. But historically, Pawnee's relationship with the Wamapoke has been more murdery. <laughs> what about, and I'm just spitballing here, a large neon advertisement for the Wamapoke Casino? We have a new slogan that I'm quite proud of. Our slots are downright filthy. Oh. I think it's a slam dunk idea. I think we're done here. I don't, I don't think we are. I don't know if we could put that in a public park. In that case, the uh, playground will be great. Why don't we retire to my longhouse and smoke the ceremonial peace pipe to celebrate? <laughs> Is he joking? Uh. <laughs> so now they don't know which way to go. Uh, Ken enjoys screwing with them, and I enjoy it when he does. Me too. Yeah, he's great. The great Jonathan Joss. Yes. 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 Uh, also known as John Redcorn yeah, in yeah. some sort of King of the Hill show that yeah. 
someone Another Greg Daniels. Dan, I don't Greg know. Daniels guy, yeah, yeah. That guy's gonna make it. <laughs> I think he'll be fine. <laughs> well, Mark, we start off the main episode and we with a walk and talk at City Hall. And we can already tell that this episode has a little bit of everything. Including, you know, bachelors, bachelorettes and bachelorette parties, uh, drinking, dancing and oh, yeah, gummy penises. Oh, yeah. Lots of gummy penises. Yeah. They're not just for breakfast anymore. No, no. <laughs> they're there for stress eating. So, yeah, we're we're at City Hall still and we're uh, we're in the hallway. And apparently Leslie and, and Anne and April are, are done with their meeting with Ken Hotate. And we see Leslie and Anne walking down a hallway towards an oncoming Ben and Chris, and they meet and they kind of give each other some good natured jabs regarding which is going to be the best Ben's bachelor party or Leslie's bachelorette party. And I think things are about to get crazy, according to Chris. Crazy with a capital C. Crazy. Crazy. <laughs> That's a nice throwback. I love it. And did reveal that, you know, Leslie is traditionally really, really good at yes. giving presents, yes. at, at, at setting up parties and yeah. events. So Anne's feeling the pressure yeah. here to she's got to bring this up to Leslie. Nope. Standards, which is why she's stress eating gummy penis. That's right. <laughs> I would take confidence in knowing that if, if Leslie in any way feels that there's it could have been better, Leslie herself will help make it better. Oh, that's probably true. Yeah. I think Anne's looking at it all wrong, personally. That could be. Yeah. Well, Mark, later that evening, the boys are gathered over at Treff Cab and Ben's bachelor party is underway. And Mark, it's so wild that I'm not sure we could even talk about it on the air, but I'll say this much. It starts off with. Settlers of Catan. Yes, that one. And then gets even crazier. Stop drilling. You hit oil. <laughs> God. Yeah. At the end of the last scene, Chris is like bragging, I guess, yeah. to Leslie and Anne. You know, it's we be have it. Haverford, Swanson, Dwyer, Jerry forces away in there. Somehow. Things are bound to get crazy. And then he immediately goes to this scene yeah. where, you know, they're at Treff Cab and, and Ben is like, the game is Settlers of Catan and, and everyone's kind of going, you know, this is not seem like real a lot of fun. Um, Where are the strippers? But they made Ben sad. Yeah. Yeah. So he didn't want that. No. And and Ben is wearing a red cap on his head that says Bachelor Boy. Love that. So there's no mistaking that. Yeah. And um, the guy seems somewhat underwhelmed at Ben's desire for beer and board games. But as Ben's best man, Chris convinces everybody to stay the course and indulge Ben, because after all, this is his night. Yeah. Well, he has a great talking head. It says he's not a bachelor party kind of guy. So right. when they asked him what his perfect night would be, he said beer and board games. And they thought he was kidding. He was not kidding. I was not kidding. <laughs> great delivery hey, on that. Yeah. You got to love him. Modern day Bob Newhart. That's right. Well, meanwhile, over at Ann's house, supplies are being unloaded and plans are being made. Apparently, the ladies are going to skip the board games and go straight into Yahtzee. Uh, you know, at their party for Leslie. Is that what the Yahtzee? No. All right. What'd they do, Mark? What is going to happen here? We're now at Anne's house. I think we're at Anne's house. And then Leslie and April and Anne are getting bags full of what look like maybe bachelorette party goodies from the trunk of the car. And Leslie hears some construction sounds coming from lot 48, which, as we know, Alan is right by Anne's house. And the three women walk over to see what's going on. And they find none other than. Councilman Jeremy Jam Ugh. standing side by side with Pawnee Restaurant Association spokeswoman Catherine Pinewood. Oh, I hate both of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The unholy alliance. And when asked what the hell is going on, Jam and Pinewood tell them they're laying the groundwork for Pawnee's newest Paunchburger restaurant. 
Leslie reminds Jam of their deal. They both had three months to put proposals together, which would then be put up for a vote. Jam concedes the point, but then points out the one flaw in the plan. Turns out he doesn't care. (laughs) In Jam's words, you can't stop this train. Make all the ruckus you want. By the time this all gets cleared up, the people will be frothing at the mouth for that beef. Uh, Leslie, April and Ann all walk away angry and disgusted. So the guy on the sidewalk who who walks up and goes, oh, sweet, a new punch burger. Yeah. You know, and April says, you know, their burgers will kill you. They're full of wasps. They, but they say, yeah, taste but real good. They taste real good. Well, that's Bjorn Lurpus in the script. Wow. And I'm telling you, nobody knows that. No. But they did. And it was funny to them. And that's all that mattered. So you got to get appreciate the writer's room in this show. I guess that's true. You know, because there's you're like you said, there's no way that the viewer would yeah. ever know that. But you read the script and you go, yeah. OK. They clearly like to make themselves laugh. The other thing I loved was the and they do this, too. They have great signage and they, you know, their art department goes the extra mile a lot. Sure. It just gets lost in the details if you're unless you're looking for it. But, you know, tip of the hat to Kim Wanup. uh, Absolutely. Kim Wanup. We had her on the show. Um, But the sign says uh, future home of Ponchburger. Start drooling, fatties. Oh, yeah. (laughs) They just cut to the chase. They really did. Yeah. Yeah. Speak right to the heart. (laughs) The artery-clogged heart. Heart, yes, is exactly <laughs> right. Well, back at Ben's party, the excitement is mounting, and we might move on from Catan to see some DVR action. That's right, Mark. What every man wants to watch at a bachelor party, back episodes of Homeland. No! Yeah, you know, the really depressing one on Showtime. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so we're, we are, as you said, back at Tref Cab, and uh, we, we revisit the Settlers of Catan beer and board games already in progress. Um, we see that Andy and Jerry are already out, it looks like, and like watching TV, like, oh, we lost. And, and uh, Ben continues to play with Ron and Chris and Tom. Um, hey, Harvey, guess who has two thumbs and is going to play this clip? No, you are. Just, just, good Lord, just press the button. Oh, I'm sorry, what's this? Seven contiguous segments Ooh. giving me longest road and a sweet ass 10 points for the win. Abuya! <laughs> okay, all right. Guys, c- come on over here, gather around. I want to propose a toast to our new Lord of Catan, Ben Wyatt, a great friend and a wonderful man. May you and Leslie find eternal happiness together. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Thanks, you guys. Thanks for indulging me. Hey, you want to stick around? I got a bunch of Homeland episodes burning a hole in my DVR. No! I'm sorry. (laughs) On principle, I cannot stand idly by and watch a bachelor party peter out like this. Now, I know you said no strippers because they make you sad. Correct. Then let's go get a drink at Essence. It's a hot new bar in Eagleton, Things Magazine. Said it's the next big thing. But Tom, this is Ben's night. Oh, believe me, if the group's happy, I'm happy. I'd go. Sounds expensive. Just so you know, (laughs) it's not your typical bar. They specialize in molecular mixology. It's kind of like an experimental new way to consume alcohol. Son, there's no wrong way to consume alcohol. (laughs) (laughs) I like how smug Ron is. Like, son, there's there's no wrong way. To consume alcohol. As they say, we'll see about that. Dot, mm-hmm. dot, dot. <laughs> well, the guys take Tom up on his offer for a change of venue, and we proceed to prove that there is indeed an incorrect way to consume alcohol. Oh, dear. As Tom suggested, the guys have now made the journey to Eagleton, and we're now at this new f- foofy, high-tech, pretentious yeah. uh, mixology bar 
essence. Yeah. They describe it later in the next scene. And I love the way they describe it. It totally seems like the sort of place that the founder of Entertainment 720 oh, would yeah. like. Yeah. Or yeah. maybe even the same set. Or maybe even the same set. Yeah. Each of the guys receives their drink order, but not necessarily in the form that you might expect. For example, Andy's Bud Light arrives in a glass containing what looks like to me, Alan, like white cotton candy. Yes. Um, like, yeah. Tom's Nimbus Martini <laughs> arrives in a glass containing what looks like a frozen red sphere. Like a chocolate sphere, maybe. Maybe. And then Ron orders a scotch naturally and, and is instructed to hold out his hands to receive a few pumps of a whiskey infused lotion. Oh, it's not going to go well. And a hand massage with it. Uh, Ron is not very happy <laughs> no, about this. Not. Although Tom does point out that if Ron didn't like the scotch uh, lotion, yeah, they, sure. do, they do have a vodka served in the form of a flash of light. <laughs> and then we, we see that happen over at the next table. We, and uh, you know what? I had an epiphany actually when that? I saw this scene. Yeah. Well, Alan, do you remember that great movie with uh, Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones? Sure, Men, Men in Black. Men in Black, yeah. that's right. And you remember how, how Tommy Lee Jones would get out that light, flashy thingy oh to make God. people forget stuff. Yeah. Do you think maybe that's what this is? Like like in the movie Men Brilliant. in Black, people would forget about stuff, not yeah. because of space age technology, right. but because they're blackout drunk. Right. I think it's maybe brilliant. there's a connection here. I know. They're on to something. Yeah. Yeah. We should, we should see if we get that patented, Mark. I agree. Yes. No, that's really good. I like the, there were actually really, there's a pretty funny deleted scene around this where we see even a few more of those drink types come out. And then at the point, I think probably right after the, uh, you know, the scotch hand massage, they basically tell the guy who's the waiter to get away from the table because Ron's coming at him. So. Oh, he's coming. He's coming over the table yeah, at him. That was pretty funny. We yeah, should have yeah. left that in, but. Well, from there, Mark, we shift back to Anne's house where we've got a little too much sad drinking and not enough happy drinking. But there seems to be a bit. But there seems to be more than enough penis hats to go around. So thank God for pixelization. But really, at its core, Alan, can you ever truly have enough penis hats? I don't know. I think not. Well, I think later we find out they have functional utility. So maybe not. <laughs> we we see Leslie sitting on the couch wearing I believe it's a pink penis hat. At least I think it, it, it's pixelated out. It, it well pixeled, yes. Yeah. The pixelation machine is getting a workout. In this episode, yes. And last one, too. Oh, think yeah. about it. That's yeah. true. Le <laughs> Leslie is still very bummed about what they learned about what Jam and Pinewood are doing on yeah. the Bonchberg on site. Anne Snakes. valiantly tries to get Leslie to forget about it and have fun. In Anne's words, there's nothing you can do to stop them tonight. However, instead of interpreting Anne's words as a statement, Leslie, I think, takes it as a challenge, gets a look on her face. And the next thing we see is a series of jump cuts. Leslie sneaking into City Hall, walking into the conference room they used earlier for their meeting with Ken Hotate, grabbing a bunch of the Wama poke decorations, <laughs> shoving them in a box, driving to Lot 48 and sprinkling the items around liberally. And during these jump cuts, we hear a Leslie talking head voiceover as she explains to the audience about a law saying that if any sacred Wamapoke artifacts are found on a development site, all construction must immediately stop. I mean, wouldn't it be terrible if that were to happen on this future Punchburger site? <laughs> <laughs> Insert evil laugh and then pause for a few seconds of self-reflection and then immediately regret your action yeah. and start panicking. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. We saw that we saw the full swing there happen. We sure did. Yeah. 
Well, after a quick break and a good amount of regret, we join Leslie back inside where the bachelor party is now going to get epically historic, Mark. Okay, That's Rizzy. right. Number 16 <laughs> is about to strip right out of his stovepipe hat. My goodness. Uh, so, yeah, back at Ann's house, we see the arrival of... Uh, presidential stripper mm. babe lincoln with <laughs> donna eagerly uh, setting up to enjoy the <clears throat> gettysburg undress <laughs> but unfortunately uh due to that whole uh, sprinkling fake artifacts thing uh, leslie is way too upset and preoccupied to properly enjoy historical nudity and instead takes Anne into another room to talk with her privately yeah yeah so she's not into it no but donna is oh my gosh <laughs> emancipate them abs <laughs> that's so good i love donna in this yep and then at the very end of the scene too april goes um hey is your name glenn <laughs> yeah so, i sat behind you in middle school band <laughs> you still play the clarinet uh, yeah yes. <laughs> how you been man oh my god <laughs> She's having so much fun. Yeah. April always finds a way to have fun. I love that about April. Well, back at Essence, we check back in with the boys. And while the venue might not have been a great idea, the team is actually about to come up with a, a, a better one and make the most of this evening. That's true. Yeah, they're still at the Eagleton Bar, <laughs> Essence, and they make a series of interesting discoveries. Hey, Harvey, see if you can discover the play clip button. <laughs> I know. Yeah, thanks, buddy. Wow. Man, if I ever have a bachelor party, I'm definitely coming back here. You never had one before you were married to Wendy? No, it was a green card wedding. I did watch the three-way sex scene from Wild Things a few times the <laughs> night before, but didn't really count. Man. I never had a bachelor party either. Me and April, we got married with no warning. I didn't even have time to take a shower before my wedding. <laughs> or after. <laughs> for like a week and a half. Tammy one forbade me from any kind of celebration, and Tammy two thwarted me by calling in a bomb threat to the steakhouse. I didn't have one either. Yeah, really, it's a funny story. So two weeks before I married Gail, I had an emergency appendectomy. Boop! That's me hitting the snooze button. Don't talk again for another 10 minutes. <laughs> New idea. Tonight, everyone gets the bachelor party they never had. One activity per bachelor. Welcome to Tom's bachelor party. Held in a white airplane hangar from the ice planet Hoth, complete <laughs> with dangling beautiful aerialists. To Tom Haverford. To Tom Haverford. Hey! Hey! And to my bride, Rihanna. We truly did find love in a hopeless place. Waiter, a round of life flash shots for me and my friends. Oh! His bride, Rihanna. So two, two things to mention about that. One is it cracked me up how when Tom went boop and hit Jerry on the head and said, that's yeah, a snooze button. You can't talk yeah. for 10 minutes. You notice that Jerry just and looks at his watch yeah. as if to go, yeah. all right, all right. I don't like this, but those are the rules. So <laughs> I got to see what I can talk next. I just cracked me up. And then the, the other thing is uh, Tom wants them to have a, uh, an order of light flash shots. Yeah. But that's yeah. just going to make them forget. <laughs> So I don't know how smart that is. That is not smart. I know. He, he hasn't thought of that yet, though. Nope. That is brilliant. Well, back at the bachelorette party, Leslie confesses her sabotage and calls in the troops to help fix the situation. And April, always inventive, finds a new use for the penis hats. Oh, thank goodness. So, yeah, we're back at Anne's house and we see Leslie sitting at what I think is probably the kitchen table with April and Anne. So, like, they're a little bit apart from like the main party group. Yeah. And Leslie's telling them what she did in Lot 48 with the fake artifacts and everything. And the girls confirm, yeah, this is bad. And Leslie apologizes and tells them that she needs to undo this and she needs their help. And then we have a slight camera cut to Lot 48 
So first, the bad news. Uh, Leslie, Anne, and April are now digging around in the dark, looking for all the fake artifacts Leslie buried. The good news, April makes the very useful discovery that the penis hats actually cut your digging time in half. So there is that. I'm serious. Yeah. Don't be afraid. Use the penises. Don't be afraid. Embrace it. Oh, my God. And of course, this was uh, where my AKA came from, you know, yep. as Leslie's confessing, you know, and she goes, well, it's, it's not that bad. Is it really? And Anne goes, no, it's pretty bad. And Glenn goes, yeah, that's pretty uncool. Shut up, Glenn. Shut up, Glenn. Uh, who wants to hear from Abraham Lincoln anyway? Nobody. Just take your clothes off and yeah, shut up. Emancipate those abs and that's shut right. up. Well, with Tom's ideal bachelor party behind us, we take a hard pendulum swing and join the boys for the next bachelor party in that exotic land of, you guessed it, Muncie, Indiana. Yup, yup, yup. Uh, it's now Jerry's turn to wear the bachelor boy hat, um, which I think they're putting on every single they guy are. as, as it. it's yeah. like that's his time You can find pictures of every single one of them in it and some sort of meme somewhere. Yeah, that's right. So the guys are now in Muncie and they're all having ice cream at Sherm's Ice Cream Parlor, which is where Jerry first met his wife, Gail. Although Ben even now apparently continues to have difficulty wrapping his little Ben head around Gail being Jerry's wife because what the what? Yeah. Chris has everyone raise a cone to Jerry Gergich. The bad news? When Jerry raises his cone, he um, drops it on the floor immediately. <laughs> the good news? Ice cream parlor owner Sherm is apparently very familiar with Jerry's quirks and is immediately at the table with a backup cone. Saying, ben. no worries, Gary. Yeah, he yeah. knows his real he name. Does. That's awesome. very telling, isn't yeah. it? It's that's a that's one of those little details. If you catch it, it you're like, this yeah. is brilliant. I mean, it rhymes, so it's really easy to miss. Right. Yeah, exactly. Ben, at the end of this, Ben tells Andy he's next and asks what he wants to do, to which he says, <clears throat> I want to see a Colts game where the Colts beat the Patriots 49 to nothing. And then I yell at Tom Brady and make him cry. And then I hook up with Dave Matthews and we play Golden Teak for 10 hours. Hello, baby. <laughs> a, a tall order. <laughs> Very specific. But we see that Chris is apparently already on, He's the, on the phone, phone trying to put something together. Some guy named Jim, apparently. Mm. Yeah. Did you like, uh, I love, my other favorite from that is, it's totally non-audio, um, is the visual of Ron and his mustache and a oh lot of ice Oh my gosh, you talk about a sloppy, <laughs> gloppy mess. And and like, he has to be aware he is he is just like a, a, a mess of ice cream. Oh yeah. And he doesn't even care. He, he doesn't care. Blah, He's used blah, to it. Blah. I just wonder what else is living in that mustache. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Uh, well, apparently that phone call Chris made wasn't to any run-of-the-mill gym, and we now get a chance to see how close they get to Andy's bachelor dream party. That's right. That's not just any ordinary gym, like a jungle gym no. or, you know, Jim Beam. It's uh, It was Jim Ursay. Well, you and I say Ursay, but did you notice Chris said Ursay? Well, he wouldn't know. Well, the funny thing is, though, Rob Lowe's a huge NFL fan, like crazy huge. Yeah. So I bet he does know, and I bet he actually knows Jim Irsay. But we're in Indianapolis, and no one says Irsay here. So I'm gonna we're gonna have to solve this mystery. I don't know who Irsay is. Yeah. I don't know I don't who know. you're talking about. Jim Irsay, sure, is is the one that Chris called. That's right. Good lord. And so anyway, the next thing we know, we are at Lucas Oil Stadium. Like the real place. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. It's actually a thing. Yeah. Um, and Jerry puts the bachelor boy hat on Andy's head 
And the guys all walk out onto the Colts football field where Chris introduces them all to his personal friend, Indianapolis Colts owner, Jim Ursay. Um, also present <laughs> yeah. are Colts football players, Reggie Wayne and Andrew Luck, who talk with the guys, although Andrew Luck does have to tell Jerry to settle down <laughs> and, and, and even throw the ball around with him a little bit. Andy is in seven. He's about heaven. to die. Oh, yeah, he, my he gosh. Yeah. I love him. He says he, he gets kind of shy around Reggie Wayne and says, I can't look you in the face. I got married in your jersey. And Reggie Wayne goes, that's weird. But I respect it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You got to. <laughs> it was a pretty good scene. I enjoyed that. Yeah, it's too bad this scene's so visual, Mark, because I think it's a it's a great scene, and you know, they, they, it's kind of a, the spirit of it's very fun, right? I mean, oh I my think gosh, yeah, yeah, it just added a lot to the episode, and of course, us being here in Indianapolis, we had probably some special appreciation for it, but uh, yeah, it was a great scene, absolutely, yeah. Well, the boys head out of Lucas Oil Stadium and make a short trip a few blocks away in downtown Indianapolis. But on their way, they catch up with Anne and the girls and do a little bragging about their adventure. Yeah. At this point, Alan, we are just getting such a happy, cool vibe from the guys. Oh, yeah, I mean, the night is going up. well. Chris is driving everybody around with Benji's Cool Time Summer Jam Mix playing in the background. Shoot. And the guys are singing along and everybody's uh, saying the words and everybody's having an awesome time. And Tom suggests they call Ann to rub it in because that's what you do. Yeah. When you're having course. a good time, you make fun of someone who isn't. And then and so Chris does that. And then everybody's in the car and they're gloating and they're hooting and hollering while the girls side of the call, they are tired. They're <laughs> dirty. They're dusty. They're frustrated due to all the penis hat fuel digging that they've been doing. Yeah, but they don't want to let that let on. And Anne tries her best to pretend that they're having a very cool, fun time. You know, risque <laughs> underwear is getting pulled off with teeth and stuff, only to be called out by April. <laughs> Anne, who are you lying to? <laughs> <laughs> well, and that was the point, too. I was a little more Glenn action, which I enjoyed. He goes, can I take a break? My hands are tired. Nope. <laughs> Donna said, uh-uh, we paid you for an hour. You're going to dig for an hour. Yep. <laughs> wow. This, uh, and I'll say more about it later, this reminds me of a specific episode of The Office. Oh, okay. Well, while Mr. Lincoln awaits his own emancipation from digging in the pit, it, you, Mark, you noticed Lot 48 has become a pit again? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. It's uh, it's like they, they filled it in and now they're starting to dig it out. Yeah, exactly. You know, for that there punch burger. Well, anyway, we jump back over to see which steakhouse the boys chose and who the recipient of this particular bachelor party will be. Well, we now join the guys at St. Elmo's Steakhouse. We know that place. Where St. Elmo's Fire is cooking the meat, but that's another story altogether. Huh? It, Pretty good. It, all right. Yeah, not yeah, bad. We'll just go on. Uh, Ron is now wearing the bachelor boy hat, and, and Ron's driving premise is simple. I want me! <laughs> That's Tonight kind of we're it. eating some flesh. That's kind of it in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except not creepy. Um, no. So a few highlights of this scene. A, Jerry mistakenly grabs a table thinking that they called Gurgich, which in which when in fact they called Gingrich, as in Newt Gingrich oh and company. God. And Jerry meekly retreats as Newt reclaims his rightful table. Nice. B, at the guy's correct table, Ron is served multiple pounds of cow and pig <laughs> Gets candid with everyone regarding Diane. I like her. <laughs> and Chris gives the perfect best man speech for a Swanson to Ron. That's it. C. 
To cap all this off, the guys found out their dinner has already been taken care of by a fellow St. Elmo's patron who happened to be there, Mr. Roy Hibbert, who, I might add, greets Ben happily with the old moniker of, hey, Jello Shot. I love that. I do, that too. So I good. love the callbacks. Yeah, it's a great callback. Yeah. Well, and then immediately, you know, Tom's like, hey, and then uh, <laughs> Hibbert goes, I'm not paying for that guy. He owes me a lot of money. Tom just run. It's true. It's true. Yeah, yeah I do. <laughs> Well, back at Anne's house, it's the following morning. And it's needless to say, the ladies are all exhausted from digging with their respective penis-shaped tools. Of course. And this is when we find out if they were able to retrieve all of the artifacts. Alan, statistics and studies have shown that digging with penis hats is one of the most physically exhausting activities <laughs> next to soccer. <laughs> wow. I didn't know it was right up there with soccer. That's amazing. It's close. It's close. Anyway, it's topical. <laughs> People World like it when time. you're topical. Yeah. So the next morning, we see the ladies groggily waking up at Anne's house. I would assume not from drinking, but instead a long, dirty, tiring night of digging with, <laughs> you know, penis hats. Um, hey, Harvey, let's get crazy up in there and, and, and play this clip, please. All right. Coffee? Yes, please. I'll take extra cream, 30 sugars. <laughs> I can't believe I tried to exploit the wama poke for my own personal gain. Well, we got most of the artifacts, and even if we didn't, they probably won't find them. And if they do, you'll just go to jail. But you can make wine in your toilet <laughs> and fight people, which is a super cool way to live. Oh, yeah. my God. Tweep. I tweeped. Uh -oh. I called tweep. Oh. Look, I'm telling the truth here, lady. We haven't found any American Indian artifacts. Or regular <laughs> Indian. Japanese. Muslim. Jewish. None of those weird countries. Weird countries? Show them on way tweet. Wow, I'm so glad that you're here. <laughs> What's going on? Nothing? Found something. There's other stuff, too. Arrowheads, more pottery. Uh -oh. Also found some weird-looking gummy candy. All right, shut it down. <laughs> this is a PR nightmare. We can't do anything until the Indian Affairs Commission weighs out. This is bull <laughs> OK. M Mark, I love jam in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Those weird countries. My God. <laughs> so offensive. So incredibly offensive. And he's so good at it, though. He's very good at it. I think it comes naturally to him, as they say. I have I have more to say on that later. Do you? Yeah, oh, yeah, good. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, he's and he's mad, too. You can tell because of the way they bleeped what he said. Well, yeah, he's getting jammed at the moment. And he don't like that. <laughs> no, no. no, he doesn't like it when counter jam occurs. No, no, bad. Well, back in City Hall in the conference room 209, Mark, I don't know if you noticed that. I did not. Well done. The American Indian Affairs Committee is meeting to decide the fate of the construction on Lot 48. Yeah, it's it's pronounced IACM. IACM? But, but, uh, no, that's not a good acronym. No, it's it's not. Yeah. They're really reaching Sounds like you're that. trying to get something out of your throat. <laughs> that is what it sounds yeah. like. So a bit later that morning... I experienced that earlier today. Actually. Did you? Yeah. yeah. A bit later that morning, uh, you know, we're, we're we cut to City Hall and we see several people, including Leslie and April Councilman Jam, Catherine Pinewood, and Ken Hotate. Um, they're they're in a conference room for the American Indian Affairs uh, Commission meeting. There is a sign on the closed door that reads "Same," and, and we see Anne and April join forces, kind of to mm. convince Leslie to come clean to Ken Hotate before the meeting officially starts. And although Leslie initially doesn't want to hear it, she relents showering April with Leslie and compliments before walking away to speak to, to Ken Hotate privately. 
I love Anne then says to, to April, it's kind of weird when she just starts raining compliments on you, huh? Don't try to bond with me. <laughs> She stalks away. Classic April. Can't win. Classic. Classic. I love it. Well, meanwhile, the boys are also wrapping up festivities from the previous evening. And somehow, Mark, lots of drinking and inhaling of alcohol, literally, they have somehow still seemed slightly better off than the ladies. Well, except for Jerry, who's apparently still at a gas station in Martinsville. Yeah, well, you know. It wouldn't be complete without some really healthy doses of PBJ going. Oh, we got on. them all over the place. No, we got them all over the place. They're like uh, cordwood. Uh, so uh, I'm I'm assuming this is still early slash mid morning of of the the next day kind yeah. of. Yeah, sounds like it. Uh, it looks like it's light out, yeah. and and we see the guys officially returning to Tref Cab. I think from yeah. their bachelor party adventures from the night before. So Alan, a few highlights of this scene. A, Chris hands out custom T-shirts to everyone that say Ben's Bachelor Party, Board Game Madness. Those are pretty cool. Those are pretty cool, actually. It's a, it's a nice thought. Where would they find those in a size less than 3XL? I don't know that they have them in less than that <laughs> for, you know, gaming T-shirts. Because, I mean, you know, uh-huh. um, in a nice PBJ moment. Uh, punching bag Jerry. Uh, Chris remembers they left Jerry back at the Martinsville <laughs> gas station and, and cheerily leaves to go get well, him. Sure. Um, C, the, the guys mention how Chris didn't get to have, you know, his his, his moment uh, last night during all the bachelor party craziness. And they contemplate things they could do for him to show their appreciation. I like it. Yeah. Well, while we wait to see what happens, we go back to City Hall and Leslie comes to the decision and decides to confess to Ken Hotate and hope for the best. Yep. So they're they're now uh, Leslie and Ken Hodate are in the hallway right outside the American Indian Affairs Commission meeting. And uh, she's I talk- I, I, I <laughs> <laughs> and we see Leslie talking privately to him. And in short, Leslie comes clean about what she did. And Ken absorbs what Leslie is saying. And, you know, as you might expect, he's not real happy about no. it. Leslie finishes by saying, I'm very, very sorry. I have great respect for the Wamapoke culture. And this isn't even about the Pawnee Commons. I just hope that you can forgive me, Ken. Mm-hmm. And you can tell he's taking her her apologies seriously because I think Leslie clearly means it. And I think he knows her well enough to know that. I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as we wait to see what Ken will do in response, we pop back over to the city manager's office and get a chance to see what the guys came up with to thank Chris for their excellent night out. And uh, we also get to watch a movie playing inside of Andy's head for free, apparently. Yeah, we now cut over to the office of city manager Chris Traeger, and we see Chris cheerfully greet the guys as they all walk in together, carrying what looks like a large trophy. Hey, Harvey, knock, knock. Mark, he's not going to do that. Come on, knock, knock. No, I don't think he'll do it. All right, forget it. Just just play the clip, sir. Thank you. (laughs) Told you. Hey. Hey, guys, what are you doing here? Congratulations. You have won the award for best man. <laughs> Full disclosure, I voted for Ryan Gosling, yeah. but he came in a close second. Uh-oh. Now, you've never been married, so you didn't get your own bachelor party. But let's look ahead. The year is 2018. <laughs> America is thriving under President Nick Cannon. And tomorrow, <laughs> Chris Traeger's getting married. Who's the lucky lady? Maybe she's an upbeat gal who's nuts about fitness. Maybe she owns a juice bar in Snurling. Maybe it's April. Maybe I die, skydiving explosion, and then you go marry April. And it makes me sad, but if she's going to be with somebody, I'd like it to be you. Strange, but sweet. Only I didn't really die. I Uh was faking it, and I come back. 
I spy on you from my red Corvette. And I'm planning to kick your ass, but I see how happy you make her, and I have to walk away. What's I have happening? to. And I do, slowly, in a rainstorm. Okay, this isn't really in the spirit of what we're trying to do. <laughs> but as time goes by, it eats away at me. You're out living it up with my wife, and I'm alone in a cave. <laughs> Training. Anyone else want to chime in? <laughs> you were my friend. I thought you were my friend! Okay, what we're trying to say is that you are a great guy, and someday, you're going to meet somebody who's into all the same stuff that you are. You know the old Chris? would have loved this super fit health goddess you guys are talking about, but our great adventure reminded me that now, I just want someone that values the important things in life. Friendships, passion, happiness, and dibbles are a plus. <laughs> ah, that's sweet. I forgive you, bro. You take care, April. <laughs> <laughs> My gosh, Andy. <laughs> How much of that do you think was ad-libbed by Pratt? I don't know, but it's 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 funny though, and you can tell the guys around him are doing their best to not break, and, and somehow they don't. I, right. I, I gotta believe. I had hard time finding outtakes from season five generally, and, and there have been several episodes where I wish I could find some. This is one of them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. That's just hysterical. I love it. Well, Mark, back in the conference room, Ken responds to the findings at the construction site, and we learn the immediate future of Lot Forty Eight. That's right. We cut back to the American Indian Affairs Commission meeting, IACM, which is, as I'm telling you, catch the fever. It's going to catch on, which is now officially started. The meeting well, has. Mark, you know what? Oh. I, you say it's going to catch on. Yeah. You used to say that about Trafcab, and I didn't believe you. Well. And yet, what do I write down now? It's a sensation now. It, 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 it sure is. Yeah. It's sweeping the nation. Yeah, it certainly <laughs> is. All right. So we the, the meeting's now started, and we see Leslie sitting with Ken Hodate, Councilman Jeremy Jam, and Pawnee Restaurant Association spokeswoman Catherine Pinewood. You know what? Hey, let's do the thing. Harvey, go ahead and play the clip, sir. Thank you. After careful examination, we have determined that these Wamapok artifacts could not have originated in lot 48. Boom, knew it. There's something else. I'd like to go on record and say that- uh, Hold on, Miss Nope, please. I would like to go on record. Speaking as a citizen of Pawnee, I do not like the way you went back on your deal with Councilwoman Nope. It reminds me of what the settlers of Pawnee did to my ancestors. Nice. Taking their land without permission. He really plays white people like a fiddle. <laughs> Wow, that's amazing to watch. You and Leslie had a deal. If that deal is not restored, well, I believe there are six punch burgers in the Wamapoke Casino. Perhaps it's time that we revisited those contracts. Uh -oh. Is that a threat? Why, yes, I, I thought that was obvious. <laughs> Take the sign down. We'll wait until everything's official. In the spirit of fair play, I suggest we put on these authentic Wamapoke headdresses and dance around the table. Absolutely not. That sounds highly offensive. Does it, white man? <laughs> no. It's not offensive, so let's do it. You first. So clearly, this is not offensive. It is offensive. I am very Take sorry. It off. <laughs> oh, God. He's, he's like puppeteering him. It's so good. Alan, you know what occurs to me? Yeah. So this is maybe a little bit of a stretch, but I got to say this. I, I think that this qualifies just barely as an example of what we've referred to in the past as 
the Darth Vader syndrome, which we first talked about in season it's one. It's been a while. So remind the viewers so, at home, of yeah, course. Not reminder. me, because I'm fully awake this morning. Oh, no, no. You're, exactly you're firing you're on about. all cylinders. All of them. And then some. And then some, yeah. But yeah, uh, to our loyal podcast viewers, as a reminder, Alan and I are fans of a little book series called The Dresden Files sure, by sure, Jim sure. Butcher. Yeah. And Jim Butcher coined this term, Darth Vader syndrome. That's right. So the Darth Vader syndrome is defined as the satisfaction of seeing someone who's been scaring the pants off of you go after another mutual enemy. Mm. Now, I I wouldn't say Ken Hotate is sc- exactly scaring the pants off of Leslie, nah. but he's used his ability to play white people like a fiddle uh-huh. against her in the past. Sure so it's have. somewhat satisfying, I think, to see it directed yeah. at the no good Nick oh, duo yeah. of Jam and Pinewood. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and and. Jam is just falling into the trap at every stage. Oh, yeah. Like and like a fiddle is exactly right. Yep. Yeah, yeah. He has no hope. I think I could watch that scene about 13 times. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mark, there's nothing I like more than watching Jam get jammed. But, uh, you know, following the satisfying conclusion of both of these storylines, Shauna catches up with Ben in the hallway and presents a proposition that Ben sees some other possibilities in. Yeah, at City Hall, we see Ben walking in a hallway, soon followed by Shauna Mulway Tweep, who calls out to get his attention. And she tells Ben the story she was chasing, you know, regarding the Wamapo artifacts, um, etc. Seems like a dead end. But she heard about the guys having their crazy, you know, rotating bachelor party night and would rather write about it instead. Hmm. Just a group of good friends having fun and doing nice things for each other. We then cut to Ben and Shauna. Walking into Chris's office where Ben tells Chris about Shauna's idea and figures the two of them might have a lot to uh, talk about. You you know what I mean, Alan? You know what I mean? Yeah. Pretty, pretty, pretty sweet sauce. Oh, my God. (laughs) That one I will not let go down in history. All right. Yeah. Fair enough. Mark, I don't know why, but as a as a pescatarian, I I, I thought it was apropos when uh, Chris is you know saying, "Hey, would you like to have lunch?" Or are you a vegetarian, a vegan, a pescatarian? Eh, not that it matters. And she says, "I like burgers." Perfect, perfect. Yep. Yeah, that's good, and that's good for Chris. So yeah, yeah. Well, Mark, finally in the kicker, we have a little flashback to some more of the action at Lucas Oil Stadium, and Andy makes another lifelong dream come true. Yeah, this is this is a short, mostly visual scene, I think, where we're, we're like you said, we're treated to a flashback of Andy's uh, segment of the bachelor party night. And they're all at Lucas Oil Stadium and they're playing football with Reggie Wayne and Andrew Luck and each other. There's not a lot really to say about this other than the guys clearly all had a blast. Andy ends the scene by draining what looks like a 25 or 30 foot field goal. It's decent length. The guys all jump up and down together, cheering. Everybody's a winner. Fade to black. Fade to black. Yep. And great, great ending. Yeah, it was a great ending. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about the the the, the satisfaction of this overall, uh, the kicker, I'm sure as well. So. Yes, sir. Well, hey, Mark, let's take a real quick break. We'll uh, compare notes and we'll come back and we'll talk through the rest of this thing and then send everybody home. Let's do it, man. All right. We'll be right back, everybody. Hello, this is Ron Swanson. Most of you know by now that Indianapolis-based Charles Mulligan Steakhouse, or Mulligan's, is my favorite steakhouse of all time. Their tremendous dishes such as The Enforcer and Destroyer of Bowels, combined with their great selection of whiskey and scotch, including my personal favorite, Lagavulin, are what made this place a winner, truly near and dear to my heart. 
Unfortunately, <clears throat> Mulligan's was viciously struck down in its prime by the health department due to alleged health code violations. Unfair or not, this forced my hand and I began to look for a suitable replacement for this beloved establishment. To that end, I would like to take a moment to talk about a very worthy runner-up in the Swanson list of great eateries, St. Elmo's Steakhouse. While nothing could ever truly replace Mulligan's, there are several comforting similarities between Mulligan's and St. Elmo's. They are both located at the crossroads of America, Indianapolis, Indiana. They both have wonderful, large-portioned steak dinners. And perhaps most importantly, they both have an ample stock of Lagavulin for consumption. Also, for those who might care about such things as celebrities, St. Elmo's is often frequented by famous people while they are staying in Indianapolis, such as Indianapolis 500 drivers, NBA players, including our very own Indiana Pacers, NFL players, including, of course, our home team, the Indianapolis Colts, and other non-sports-related so-called celebrities such as former Speaker of the House Newt Gingrich. Of course, I've never encountered a true celebrity there, such as the modern master of the shaker style Christian Bexford, but that's just one man's opinion. At any rate, celebrities or not, people from all walks of life appreciate and frequent the wonderful steakhouse known as St. Elmo's. Well, maybe not vegans, but who really cares what they think? <laughs> So the next time you find yourself in Indianapolis, be sure to make a trip downtown to St. Elmo's Steakhouse. Be sure to tell them Ron sent you, and they will allow you to order off of their secret menu, which includes many fantastic items such as the cow and pig deathmatch, a juicy cut of prime rib surrounded by an entire 3D cage made of bacon. Ugh, science is amazing. <clears throat> Thank you. That is all. All right, everybody, we're back. Well, Mark, hey, real quick, I'll run us through our deleted scenes as we usually do right after the break. Um, I clocked about 12 scenes in this one, rough, running about six minutes and 25 seconds. They're pretty good. They're pretty good. I, I think I mentioned one earlier where there's a little bit more in essence and some of the other crazy drink styles. Those were kind of fun to watch. You right. Can, um, you know, there's a, there's this weird moment. Well, there's more shots of, of Lucas Oil, of course, mm -hmm. and, uh, a little, a few more shots. And then there the guys are out doing shots with for Chris Traeger mm -hmm. as a little bit of a thank you. That was kind of nice. They didn't include that in the final episode. There's some party planning machinations with Anne. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's nothing like really like great. So I, I see why most of these hit the floor. But there's just one weird thing in between like two long segments of these clips which was apparently a promo for their time change where we see Jerry on the field. Everyone else is nowhere near around him. He's by himself. He sees a football teed up and it's like at 65 yards. Right. Or, yeah. We see in, in, in the, the we see some text, a black yeah. screen with white print saying currently the record for field goal uh, successfully made is 63 yards right here we see Pawnee native Jerry Kirkich <laughs> 
just casually trying a 64 yard field goal. Yeah. And you see him just kind of like bumble up to it and just yeah. kind of look at it like, hey, what's this, a ball? Yeah. And then you see his foot kind of go back and go boop. And then he just kind of turns around <laughs> and is like, whatever. And we see the ball <laughs> just like veer yeah. all the way down the field. Yeah. Drain it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That was a great shot. That was. I love that. Yeah. Some CGI in there, I'm pretty sure, but <laughs> it was worth it. Really? The magic of Hollywood destroyed once That's, again. I'm sorry. I, I apologize for anybody who thought that was real. Fair enough. Anyway, if you if you have the DVDs, check out those deleted scenes. They're worth a watch. Yep. Mark, uh, let's get into our tropes first and fun facts and all that fun stuff. Uh, how'd you do on first this week? I, I got a lot of tropes, but I didn't have a ton of firsts. Well... I had four, but I think I cheated for all of them. <laughs> so, so, here, so what'd you make up this week? So here's what I made up. Oh, first, actually, one of them I think we already agreed on, but this is the first Parks and Rec episode of 2013. That is true. So that's the only one I'll definitely hang my hat on. The all rest right, of fair. these are just gobbledygook. Yeah. Um, I said, I said this is the first time that Ron admits that there is a wrong way to consume alcohol. <laughs> that's true. Eh, you know. That's pretty good. I said this... This is the first time that we see these two particular Leslie antagonists team up. That is Councilman Jeremy Jam and Pawnee Restaurant Association spokeswoman Catherine Pinewood. That's true. Right. Yeah. And I also said kind of on a similar theme, this isn't exactly a first, but I'm going to list it here. Alan, ever since we started this podcast, we've been keeping tabs on a list of people that we've considered to be Leslie antagonists. Yeah, the in, nemesi. The nemesi in one way or another. And this includes such people as Joan Calamezzo oh, sure. and uh, uh, Bobby Newport, Jennifer Barkley. Pachitis. Uh, yeah. Pachitis. Yeah. Uh, Lindsay Carlisle Shea. Oh, yeah. Um, so having said that, I'm going to make a bold statement. Go for it. I think... This episode helped in my mind to solidify mm. the fact that even given all the people on that list that we just named, I feel like Councilman Jeremy Jam is the show's first true villain. Like it, his motives seem to be snidely whiplash, curling his mustache, <laughs> laughing while the helpless woman is yeah. tied to the train tracks over the top evil or not. All right, not evil per se, sure, but definitely sure. out to ruin Leslie's day in any way possible. Yeah. He seems to be more in that bent than anybody else on that list. He, he he goes full in, right? I mean, I think where everyone else, you might be able to give them a little bit of an out, you know, in some way. Pachitis is young, you know. Uh, right, she, for Pachitis, you could go, it's just a prank. Yeah, it's a prank. Uh, what's her name? Shay there, you know. Lindsay Carlisle Lindsay Shea. Carlisle she just has Shea. insecurities. Yeah, she Jam is just a, friend. a dick. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> it's so true. And, and, but he's and, good at it. He's great at it. Yeah. No, he's, he, he, and I think you're right. I think it's fair to call that a relatively a first and either. Either way, it's it's delightful. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. I agree. How about you? Did you have any? Um, I had. I said it's the first time we visit Indy, and I put in parentheses real places. Like we've alluded to it, we've kind of been there to Chris's apartment, but we didn't really go to Indy per se. Is Mulligan's not a real place? Um, no. Crap. All right. Sorry. I. I sorry. <laughs> Hollywood image destroyed yeah. again. But no. Saint Elmo's is. And they're famous for for their uh, yeah, um, steak for their well the, yes of course their steak which is amazing apparently I'm a pescatarian so I wouldn't know whatever <laughs> but their shrimp cocktail sauce <laughs> oh yeah I don't like that yeah like horseradish out the radish yeah, yeah it's it's it is intense you know I uh, I when I went to my prom in high school yeah uh, I actually took my date to St. Elmo's did you really okay and um, 
Was Newt Gingrich there? No, he no, was not weird. there. Okay. Um, although I was surprised to see that. Yeah. Um, and and I they said that I needed to try the shrimp uh, thing with yeah, the, cocktail the, the cocktail sauce. sauce. Yeah. And and at the time, I had convinced myself that I was a seafood lover. Sure. This is largely because I like Long John Silver's. <laughs> And what I found out <laughs> is that actual real seafood, very different. It is different. From, from, from the incredible layers of batter. That, yeah. Uh, yeah. But no, I, I did not care for that. Sam, I am. I mean, great steak, but I'm not a fan of cocktail sauce. Well, I, I like it because I, I like hot stuff in a different way than you do. We've, we've talked about this many mm, times. You yes, like yes. it so that you pass out on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> I, yes, I, I like it. I like the the burn a little different. I like the uh, the burn that you get. Up the from, nose. Yeah, up the nose burn. Yeah. Like yeah. wasabi. And I'll tell you what, like wasabi, it, it is intense. Yeah. And they bottle it. They sell it. They've got a sister restaurant or, you know, one of the other sub restaurants. It's It sells the same stuff. And it's, it's one of their most famous dishes. You know what? I so we've gotten completely Way off track. Off. I'm sorry. I'm I think sorry. I think that you're right yeah. on your first. Yeah. Although I'm 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 challenging that in my head. Like there yeah. if, if there's something that we missed, but I think you may be right. This one's so in your face though, right? And yes. Lucas Oil, which is a beautiful stadium, I still think considered to be one of the top football stadiums in the country. It's no longer new. Right. At the time it was pretty new. I right, think right. we just built it maybe two years before this episode was shot. But yeah. Anyway. So that's all I had on first. Oh, okay. Oh no, no. I'm sorry. I had one other one. Oh, okay. I said this is the first time that Chris full on mugs to the camera. Like just laser right at like at the audience. Like, are you are you getting this? Like Ben does it so often and other characters we've had Chris it. do that before. Have we? And oh, I only I, know. I only know that really? because I keep very close track on mugging to the camera because it's such because <laughs> it in and of itself is just such a trope. It is a trope. And, yeah. and it used to be just Ben mugs to the camera. Yeah. But now they've been having Everyone. Andy and Tom. I felt like it was the first time I remembered Chris doing it anyway. There were there were definitely you know what time I remember is when Chris was going to give Andy the job as weekend security guard oh. and and Andy's yeah. like I don't know yeah. if I'm going to do it and and Chris went toink yeah <laughs> looks right at the camera yeah but I definitely tracked that that he did it in this oh, episode oh yeah it's a good one yeah well speaking of tropes Mark how'd you do on tropes I had a I had a bunch of them yeah um, I said uh, first of all. <laughs> PBJ. Oh now, my God. It was really good, I thought, to see Jerry as more or less one of the gang. Yeah, that was nice. And and yet, despite that, we still have a list of good old PBJ moments, even with Andrew Luck and Newt Gingrich oh, chiming in, which is yeah. classic. So good. Um I said uh, AGU, April's growing up. Aww. Just because like she tells yeah. Leslie we don't want to win that way. And yeah. you know And yet she balances it with plenty of real straight on April. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um I said Leslie and compliments, except this time she did it with April. But yeah. I still think that that counts. Yeah, that counts. Um, FDR, food driven Ron. Oh, yeah. almost Steakhouse, multiple pounds, count pig, et cetera. Um, RLL, Ron loves Lagavulin. <laughs> yep. Um, HMWP, Hotate messes with white people. <laughs> I like Because that that's one. a thing. It is a thing. Um, I. Another me- unpronounceable acronym, <clears throat> but yes. <laughs> um. I said City Hall murals, particularly when Leslie's talking about how oh, Pawnee's yeah. relationship with the Womapoke has historically been rather murdery. murdery. Yeah. Um, the triumphant return of Benji's Cool Time Summer Jam mix, oh, just because yeah. I thought that was hysterical. That was I love that. Mm-hmm. Um, I ha- I just said as a general blanket statement, mugging to the camera. Oh, yeah. We had Andy. Multiples. We had Ann. We had Chris. Ben, and I may, obviously. And I, may, I think Ben did it at least once, too. Yeah. 
I had mouse rat names, which we haven't done in a long time because Andy's wearing a T-shirt that says Scarecrow Boat. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I also put <laughs> sweet, stupid Andy. And then I put in parentheses, I always add this and I depend on Alan to bail me out and explain why it fits. Yeah. Because <laughs> he, he always does such Andy-ish things, but I don't always know if that's the right category. I mean, in this case, I mean, I don't think it applies during the cult stuff because he's just like a kid in a candy store with that stuff. You know what I mean? He's just having the time of his life. But I think earlier in the episode, in the setup, we get some sweet, stupid Andy. I think that's fair. I, I think so. Like, yeah. He, I mean, he was almost Macklin-esque when yeah. he was like saying about how he, the, Chris is going to marry uh, April and then he's going to train in a cave. Like, what the hell are you Macklin talking Macklin may be dead, but he came back to life for a brief moment there. Yeah. I, he, in spirit. In he, spirit. He channeled him. That's right. Um, I also said, and I don't know if this is a valid one or if this is like that – it's probably not the first time it happened or anything. I guess it doesn't have to be because it's a trope. I said, Ben is one of the boys. And mm -hmm. I, and I only say that because there have been so many times when, even though they like Ben, yeah, he's still a little bit of an oddball goof to them. He's still a little bit of an outsider. Well, I'd argue that still happens in this episode. Like, yeah, because of, like, he's really Catan, the only one who you know, liked this. Hitler's like, yeah, <laughs> no one else is digging that, but they'll do it. They'll do it for Ben. And it's a four person game. So, you know, what do you do with those other two people? I don't know. I looked that up. They actually, in, uh, they expand it to six in, in the expansion set. Did they really? Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm sure Ben owns the expansion set. Of course he does. Plus the, the miniatures. He's nationally ranked for crying <laughs> out loud. Right. Oh, good God. <laughs> anyway, so sorry. That's an exhaustive list, but that that's all I got. Well, that's a good segue into one of mine that you think you missed. Oh, no. Ben is a nerd. Oh, yeah. That's a great one. I mean, come on. Yeah. 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 Big and bad. Yeah. Muncie. Muncie, Indiana. Yep. I think that's a trope on its own. Uh, Catherine Pinewood kind of become a, a trope, you know, the Pawnee Restaurant Association, like you said, teaming up with the jam there with, for the first time and right. probably not the last. Um, I put Andy loves the Colts because that has mm. happened many times. Yeah. Obviously, his wedding and uh, just the occasional drop in in the episode. And Great point. Th this was the ultimate experience for him, for sure. Yeah. Actually, you know what we could say? I just realized this. They have mentioned specifically the Reggie Wayne jersey multiple. multiple. Yeah. I mean, starting when April got him yeah. that as a Christmas present. Yeah. Um, and Christmas scandal. That I sounds think, right. I think it was. And then he got married in it. Yep. And then he tells Reggie Wayne about it. While wearing an Andrew Luck jersey. I know. Who's wearing the Reggie Wayne jersey? I forget. Jerry. Is it Jerry? Yeah. I love that. I just, I don't know why, but I thought it was like, at first I'm like, wait a minute. No, Andy should be wearing it. Then I'm like, no, what? This is funnier. Yeah. Cause it, it doesn't fit Jerry very well. And you know, it just, it set up the whole conversation. I liked it. I'm a big fan, Mr. Luck. Okay. Settle down. Guy. Settle down guy. Okay. <laughs> Even when Andrew Luck is PBJ, <laughs> you've got full on PBJ going on. Oh yeah. Hey Mark, did you track any goofs or fun facts? I had no goofs. Uh, I I had uh, two fun facts. What'd you got? Uh, I I noted because uh, the internet's told me this. Yeah. Um, the the when Chris Pratt uh, as uh, Andy was yeah. uh, doing the touchdown oh, dance yeah, that yeah. he's got in yeah. the end zone. Apparently, it's the same dance. I didn't realize this that he does as a Star Lord in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. So apparently, that's his favorite. Yeah. When he grabs dance that there. their Infinity Stone right before that. Yep. 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 And so <laughs> uh, also this is uh, I think this is common knowledge to anyone who's a fan of the show, perhaps. But 
according to Aziz Ansari, the Newt Gingrich portion of the St. Elmo's mm. segment, uh, Newt Gingrich wasn't planned. He just happened to be freaking eating at St. Elmo's Steakhouse and they crazy. were filming there and they're like, hey, Newt, you want to be part of the episode? And he's like, all right. <laughs> and so Did he uh, sound like Kermit at the time. I didn't know that. It's not easy being Newt. Newt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we make us laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. It's got to be someone. Anyway, that's all I had. Do you have any? Uh, that, that's pretty good. The only other one which we kind of alluded to in the episode is uh, that, you know, Jerry and Muncie is known as Gary still, which, mm. which is great. Yeah. And, and they actually doubled down on that. I forgot to mention this during deleted scenes. When they walk into Sherm's, there's a kind of a hey, Norm moment in the deleted scenes. Oh, yeah. Where it's like, hey, Gary. How's your family? How's your family? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a nice exchange between him and Sherm that they did cut. So right. I think they needed to, to balance. You know, you don't want to give Jerry too much cool factor, right? So right, right. hey, Norm would have been a little too cool for him. A little bit goes a long way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, well, nice job there, Mark. Hey, uh, why don't we get into our scores and then we'll send everybody home. All right. Scores incoming in three, two, one. Um, MVP, Rob Lowe as Chris Traeger. That, that, that's my choice. I, I solo think, MVP. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I got something <clears throat> to say about that when it's my turn. I think, uh, you're going to be wrong. I think a lot of times, <laughs> um, we've, I think we've both credited Leslie from time to time as being the glue that sometimes holds storylines together or plot points, that sort of thing. In this episode, and I've I, argued Ian has done it from time to time as well. Yeah, that's true. She can be uh, the, the the moral compass, the Sherpa, if you will. I, I think in this episode that honor goes to Chris, uh, at least mm. for the guy's portion of the story. I, I feel like in many ways, this episode was able to springboard off of last episode with regards to Chris's mental state. And mm. what I mean is in the last mm -hmm. episode, we commented on how, you know, believe it or not, holy crap, he, Chris actually seemed healthy and mentally stable for the first time and. I mean, a while mm -hmm. in this episode, not only is Chris mentally stable, but he is on his freaking a game the entire time, yep, giving the guys a night that they will never, ever forget. I absolutely love the whole choose your own adventure uh, path that the bachelor parties took. The, yep. you know, Chris's idea was great. It gave them an almost unlimited runway to do what they wanted with the episode. So I just thought, well done. Brilliant. I felt like Chris was the the pivot point that allowed the, the the guy's story to flourish, which for me was a huge, huge part of this episode. Um, we had a nice list of guest stars. Uh, John Glazer as Councilman Jeremy Jam. Allison Becker as the Tweep. Uh, Jonathan Joss, of course, as Ken Hotate. Yep. The, the great Mary Faber as Pawnee Restaurant Association spokeswoman, Catherine Pinewood. That's right. I have to give her that whole title every time I say that. <laughs> That's a mouthful. It is. Um, we also had a nice list of cameos. Jim Irsay. Sorry, Irsay. Irsay. Um, uh, that's hearsay that it's hearsay. Um, huh? Nice. It, yeah. Um, You've been waiting this whole episode to say that. <laughs> I have yet. had that in the hopper. I oh cannot tell you how long. Andrew <laughs> Luck, Reggie Wayne, Roy Hibbert, Newt Gingrich. I mean, just just incredible. Don't um, forget Kyle Robinson as Babe Lincoln. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, Mike Mitchell as Bjorn Lerpus. <laughs> <laughs> how could we forget Bjorn? Um, and once again, I know I've said this before, but I have to say it again here. This episode, like many others, has a large list of what I thought were really fun callbacks. Once again, giving this show the feel of a real life Springfield from mm -hmm. The Simpsons. You yeah, know, Ron Roy Hibbert being mad at Tom 
and also calling Ben Jello shot. Um, Andy bringing up the Reggie Wayne jersey he wore to his wedding that April originally got him. Um, Sherm calling Gary Jerry by his real name Gary. Uh, the triumphant return of Benji's Cool Time Summer Jam mix. Um, also, I gotta say, Andy detailing the plot of ridiculous action movies, even if they're <laughs> just ones that he's making up in his head. That's right. Will never not be funny. It's never. He's true. so freaking yeah, hilarious. It's never not true. Um, I also got to say that these last, I think I mentioned this, but I'll say it again. These last two episodes, first Ron and Diane with guest star Megan Mullally as Tammy too. And yep. then this episode with the risque uh, bachelorette party have really been a stress <laughs> test on the pixelation machine. I-, I wasn't sure if it would be able to keep up. I, they must have rented it, Mark, and had like extra time with it. So they decided to just go and do this episode next. I guess. To make the most of the investment. Holy cow. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Pixelator 5000, I think, is what they actually <laughs> used. <laughs> so I, I don't know if I, this is really a nitpick, but I'll put it in this category, I guess. Yeah. For me, while Leslie's story, the the the, the girls' bachelorette party, was not bad. And, and in fact, I felt like in some ways it had more important plot relevance than Ben's That's story. In my opinion, it wasn't nearly as funny, polished, or enjoyable. It still had, I thought, some great humor mm-hmm. moments from April and Donna and Jam. So you're saying the B story slightly outshined, at least slightly, or maybe more, the A story. In my opinion. Yeah. In my opinion, it's I fair. think that that's true. Yeah. I, and, you know, like I said, the A story still had some great humor moments, and I, it even had some good heart moments, like yeah. as Leslie came clean to Kenotate. Yeah. But to me, it felt like... It slowed down a little in the middle, which I felt like detracted from an otherwise decent storyline. So you compare this to what felt like a nonstop adventure with the guy's night out. And it just felt like a little lacking in comparison. Um, And I feel like this. Yeah, this difference is highlighted even more just because of how awesome the guy's storyline was. Um, But it was still a decent storyline. So anyway, enough of that craziness on with the crazy Mark rubric. All right. I'm going to give the sucker a, a 4.5 base score. I thought it was a tremendous B story, the guy's night out. And I thought it was a decent A story with the girls night. And there is no little, uh, you know, sometimes we've said, okay, we got to make a C story. So we'll make like a little filler yeah, story. Yeah. Well, there there wasn't that story, which is not necessarily a bad thing because sometimes if not done well, it can kind of detract it from can, the overall. Absolutely. So I thought both stories were decent yeah. and, and they gave good, uh, good attention to them. I'm going to give one whole point for a great performance by my episode MVP, Rob Lowe, as Chris Traeger. This this version of Chris Traeger may be my favorite Chris Traeger since he first came to Parks and Rec because mm. he's had kind of a downward spiral for he a sure while. Has, and I feel yeah. like this is this is like Chris with a human head as I like him. Yeah. So welcome back. Welcome back, Traeger. <laughs> welcome back, a Traeger. sitcom called that. Mm-hmm. Um some cheater combos incoming. Uh, I, I'm going to give uh, one point to what I call the share the wealth combo, which is a nice list of guest stars, plus a nice list of cameos, mm. plus good use of the comedic bench, yeah. giving everyone at least a few she- scenes to shine. I thought yeah. that they did a really good job with yeah. that. In, in 21 minutes. In somehow. 21 minutes. Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give uh, an entire point to what I call uh, one of the boys combo. Everybody got their moment to shine, literally having a bachelor party moment for each person. Plus, both Ben and Jerry enjoying moments where I feel like they were cemented as as one of the gang instead of an outsider or a punching bag. I like that. Outside of him being booped as an alarm clock. I agree. (laughs) Well, I mean, he's not going to be perfect. (laughs) That's true. That's a good um, point. 
I'm going to give half a point to what I call the bachelorette party combo. All the silly things that happen during the girls night, plus everything that can be penis shaped will be penis shaped <laughs> and the pixel and the plus the constant use of pixelization plus Babe Lincoln. Babe Lincoln. Um, yeah. so half point for that. I'm going to give half point to what I call the resolution combo. Um, a nice resolution, I thought, to the A story with Ken Hotate siding with Leslie, insisting Jam reinstate their previous deal. Mm. I really like that. And then I'm going to give one more half point to what I call the feel good combo, which I just said, as often happens with this show, I finish watching it feeling really good. For me, both storylines gave me a takeaway sensation that the good guys won. So what can I say? I'm a sucker for that. So you add all those crazy points up and you come up with 9.0 little Sebastians as my score. So to be crystal clear, this wasn't a bad episode by any stretch. In fact, it was a really good and memorable episode. I think, though, if they had managed to elevate Leslie's story to the level of the guy's night out, oh, this this might have been a contender for perfect 10 in my mind. Um, as it is, though, I kind of mentally gave Leslie's story an eight and Ben's story a 10, which evens out to about a nine, which that that feels right. So anyway, that's my review. Back to you, Alan. Nice job, Mark. Rock that scuba. Rock that scuba. Yeah. Mark, I'm not saying you're wrong, but let me tell you how you're wrong. Oh, here we go. <laughs> here. Well, first of all, MVP. This will be our last show, folks. <laughs> we'll see. No. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. dot, okay, dot, what, dot. Okay, tell me tell me your MVP. My MVP uh, is a combo. I did oh. a combo this week. I'm sorry. Already wrong. Uh, so one of mine is Rob Lowe. All right, you tricked me. All right, so I'm partially on board. Right. What, what else you got? I mean, and then I've got Jonathan Joss's Ken Hotate. Oh damn it! All I, right, that's a good one. Is, that's a good one. Look, I'll tell you what, I and and I'll say a little about this right now. The, like the a, a story, I believe, is weaker than the B story. I, I agree with you on that. I don't think I felt as 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 weak by as much margin as maybe you do. Like I would have given it more than an eight, and then the B story. Uh, well, I'm sorry. You say it a nine. You said an eight and a t and a ten. Okay, the B story is almost a ten. It's not quite there. It's very close, though. I do agree with you. But I felt like this was a little higher than eight, maybe an eight and a half. Hmm. So, because um, I I feel like sometimes you have to make the sacrifice uh, of maybe the funny, the ha ha, or even the touchy feely sometimes to promote the plot, mm -hmm. right? And I think that the A story took the burden of that because we got to keep the discussion about Lot 48 alive. We need to pr keep that going. And they found a very clever way in my mind of threatening that. But then, you know, this great pairing of Leslie and Ken to kind of come back and combat it. Right. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was funny. And I felt like that the moments specifically where, you know, he's playing the white guy as a fiddle, just were so funny and enjoyable. And I find his character very charming and ingratiating. That, yeah. You know, I want to go hang with Ken Hodate. Oh, me too. Uh, you know, drink some fire any of the <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And some whiskey at any of the six punch burgers in the casino. <laughs> it's a big ass casino, apparently. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Or just lots of fat people in punch burgers. But uh, <laughs> that was a funny joke in and of itself that they would have six of those in the same casino. Yeah. So good. So good. I felt like Dave King's writing on this episode was fabulous. And I'm sure the whole writer's room contributed. And I'd love to talk to Dave about this episode. I agree. The writers. writing was tight. Yeah, it was very tight. 
Um, I felt like there were a bunch of callbacks that were very enjoyable. I think you said as much as well. Um, I, I, tr I did truly, and I hate, I almost feel like I've got to question myself saying this, but I enjoyed the male bonding, right? You know, cause we're dudes, you know. And, sure. Uh, but I feel like this is, is often a very female empowering series with Leslie as the protagonist. Anne is a very strong character. April is a very strong character. And, and sometimes the guys kind of take the back seat. So I think for this episode, I really enjoyed the fact that they had a great time together. And like you said, they kind of brought Jerry and, and, and Ben really fully into the fold this time. And I feel like everyone in general, and this is true in both the bachelor party and the bachelorette uh, party, except maybe Leslie for a few minutes, Everyone was the best version of themselves in this episode. And you kind of said that about Chris as well. Like, yeah. I just think that added to the enjoyment of the episode. Nobody drug it down with the, oh, there goes Tom again. Oh, there goes Leslie again. She had a little bit of mania, but you know what she did? She pulled, she reined it back in. She reined it back in. She quickly she, she admonished herself. She, she was about to confess. Very Leslie thing to do when Ken cut her off and then, you know, gave her the out there, which was, again, just terrific. That I So I have two thoughts. I agree with everything you just said. Uh, I think that one of the reasons why I found Ken coming to Leslie's aid so satisfying is I feel like Leslie proved to Ken. Yes, she was on the cusp. She was about to confess and, yeah. and, and, and take the hit. That's right. And I think he realized that. And that's what he needed to see. And now he's like, all right, you know what? I'm in. I, I think that's true. I think that was maybe the icing on the cake because I feel like she had ingratiated herself with him, even going back to Harvest Festival and, and situations like that, where she she tried to make the most and and really honor the Wamapoke and, you know, not 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 continue to Pawnee them. You know what I mean? Right. Right. <laughs> so, and she's constantly has that 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 uh, the guilt about uh, how Pawnee has treated them in the past. I also like your comment about the male bonding, because, you know, when I think about it, I, I, all the guys in Parks and Rec have their own, I think, particular idiom that can stand apart. Yes. Like Ron is very Swanson-esque, yes. which is delightful, but you don't really need another guy to no. accompany you to be Swanson-esque. No, in fact, he said really one or two friends is enough. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Literally. And so I don't think that there are a lot of buddy uh opportunities no, there like aren't. there are with say Anne and and and, and uh, leslie, leslie or, or even to a lesser extent april and leslie because even though april claims that she Get doesn't like that you know yeah. leslie still like gives her plenty of compliments she so I, I agree yeah. with you that, and i never really thought about yeah. it like that i think that well, the, the, it, the females have a little bit more opportunity for that they have yeah and that's fine and i i actually yeah. enjoy that about this show it's one of the things i, I like too. about it in fact but I, I would say that we we thought maybe we were going to see a little bit of that kind of bonding pair with chris and ben when they first arrived but then you realized really quickly that you know ben is his axe man and, you know, Chris is nice and ingratiating, but, you know, he can't deal with the controversy or the conflict. So he sends in Ben to do the thing. And so that made Ben a little less likable in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And we really started to love him just at the same time Leslie did. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know. I feel like everything kind of came together in this episode in lots of ways. I feel like this was a great representation of Ron letting loose, mm. you know, and sharing. He likes her. Yeah. You know, yeah. It was, Good. And then and then Chris Traeger, you know, Rob Lowe, his speech to 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 Ron saying it should honor the person being honored. Right. Perfect. To Ron. Just perfect. This is just so good. Yeah. Again, so, such great writing. Um, 
I love the role, Chris playing the role as party chauffeur and the inventor of the try your own adventure, as you put it. Right. Which in a way is its own nerdy thing. It's kind of a role playing thing. Oh, yeah. Right? It's from that genre. Yep. So I think that's kind of a hidden joke behind the scenes here. Um, I mentioned it earlier that I like the parallels to an office episode, specifically Phyllis's wedding, where they basically have the stripper come in, the strippers, uh, uh, Ben Franklin oh, character. Yeah, that's right. yeah. That's And then, of course, the stripper down in the warehouse uh, who ends up being one of the funniest characters in that episode. And then lots of pixelization in that episode as well. When mm. Michael goes into the adult store. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And then Ryan goes, he, he's been giggling the whole time. So I don't know. I felt like there were some funny parallels there. But um, then sticking it to jam, it, again, you know, jamming jam with jam is one of my favorite things. Yeah. Thank you, Ken Hotate. Yeah. So Mark, for me, I gave this a nine and a half. I felt like this was on par with last week's episode. Again, if we if we lived in a world with quarter points, which we do not, no. um, who knows? Maybe I would have given it a nine, two, five and a nine, five for last week. But I, I rounded up to nine, five. I thought this was an excellent episode. I did too. I, and I think I think that maybe. Maybe I ended up judging the 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 girl story a little bit too harshly because I love the guy's story so much. Yeah. I think I wanted, I think instinctively I said, "That's good. Give me, give me that in For there." The ladies. Now yeah, to I your get it. to your point, they went a little bit different direction with yeah. it, which is not only understandable but sometimes good from a let's invest some time in the plot yeah. perspective. Well, and there was female bonding in the sense that both Anne and April really tried to mentor Leslie mm. and help her through that particular conundrum she created for herself in trying to save lot 48. So, I it was there but it was different, right? Yeah. And so I thought it was still apropos and and, I, and we I think you maybe you mentioned and I certainly forgot to, you know, a very funny cold open. Yeah. Right? And then I found it. I wouldn't say it was a, the one of the greater kickers, but it was enjoyable in the sense that we went back and visited, you know, Andy's good fun times at, at uh, you know, Lucas Oil Stadium. So it was it was it was rewarding in its own way, but not necessarily funny. Well, you know, what it, it reminded me of actually in, in a weird way is um, when when in season three, when we covered Harvest Festival and we actually broke it up into two separate podcasts because yeah. it was it was so big and yeah. supersized and stuff. That's right. At the very end of the episode, we have kind of like that crane shot yeah. where we're going up and seeing yes. everything. And, yes. and I think the comment that we made or maybe I made, I don't know, maybe yeah. you made it was like, it feels like we won. Yeah. Like the good guys won. Yeah. As cheesy as that. Tom sounds. Petty's American yeah. Girls playing it's, it's over that. It's just very yeah. satisfying. Yeah. And, and I felt that with this episode yeah. as well, the way that it ended. Generally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and yeah, with the field goal, right? I yes. Mean, yeah. Yeah. Which is not an easy thing to do. No. And I think all. he did catch that pass and I think he did kick that field goal. So pretty cool. Yep. And he did that dance. And he did that dance. Yeah. Just like, uh, just like Star Lord. Star Lord. Those guys look a lot alike. That's weird. They certainly do. Yeah. Well, nice job today, Mark. Uh, good job on the breakdown. We were only a half point off and usually in an unusual direction, perhaps, where I'm a little higher and you were a little lower. It's normally I the guess, opposite. I, I guess think. that's true. Yeah. yeah. I'm usually slightly more critical, but I, I don't know. This one got me in the feels, I guess. So, well, anyway, we'll be back in a week or two, Mark. Uh, we, you know, again, we're doing this bi-weekly thing through the rest of the year. We're busy. Here. We got one more episode before the Christmas holiday. We've got all these conventions that we need to go yes, to and speak and about. signing autographs and yeah. It's, it's I tiresome. I watch people do that on YouTube all the time. 
my gosh, I, I never appreciated how hard that job is until I had to do it myself. I, I'm telling you what. Yeah. All three of those people wanted your signature. Yeah. <laughs> You're such a dick. <laughs> One of them was for the check, wasn't it? Yeah. So anyway, it, it counts. <laughs> it counts. I signed my name. <laughs> well, we'll be back in a couple of weeks with season five, episode 11, Women, Women in, in Garbage. garbage. Yeah. That's yeah. Gonna be, uh, that's a, I remember that one fondly. I'll, let's see how it weighs in. I do too. Yeah. All right. Well, nice job, Mark. Thanks for joining us, everybody. And we look forward to seeing you next time. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Live from Pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompawnee.com for more details or to contact us.